You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. He spoke the world into existence, and then he spoke into your heart. The word came to you and created faith to believe that things can change because that same operation was happening at creation. When Almighty God just spoke a word out there, and he spoke that word, and he said, Light be, and light went out there and bead. <laughs> I went to college. Amen. <laughs> light went out there and just became what he said. You follow this? Light went out there and did, it, it, it knew what was in that word. What was in that word was the substance of the things that he hoped for. Does that sound like the Bible to you? The word was the, that he spoke was his faith, and it, it became the substance of the thing that he was hoping to happen. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's powerful. He spoke this word into your heart, into your life, and changed everything about you. You, just, you got saved one day, and you woke up the next morning thinking, wow, did somebody whitewash the world? I feel clean all inside. Things have changed for me. I'm not like I was. Now, I know you still had some stinking thinking. If you didn't like spinach before, you probably don't like spinach afterwards. Some things are still the same. But this, this new world view, if you will, this new view of everything, forgiveness just changes everything, and righteousness imputed changes everything. Righteousness imputed, not righteousness earned. Righteousness earned just makes you self-righteous. It makes you fold your arms and say, well, he's not all that much of a Christian. When that righteousness has taken part in your life and has taken, taken root in your life, I should say, there's something on the inside of you that compels you. You know what I'm talking about. You're not fulfilled just sitting around. You, got these, you get these creative thoughts. What am I going to do about this? Those creative thoughts and those urgings that you have for something bigger and better than what you presently have, God put there, and I am convinced He put there for you to find expression with it through your local church. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Our service to God is expressed, is best expressed in acts of kindness and love to the saints. Our first and best expression is not out there in the world. It's not giving your money to the United Way. Our first and best expression is service to the saints. This is, this is iterated and reiterated all over the scriptures. Let me read you a few quotes about volunteers. Volunteers do not necessarily have the time, they just have the heart. If you want somebody, something done, you don't find somebody who's not doing anything, you find somebody who's busy. That guy will get it done. You make a living by what you get, Winston Churchill said. You make a living by what you get, you make a life by what you give. I don't want everybody in the room to say that. The great theologian Winston Churchill said it. We may as well say it. He wasn't, he wasn't a theologian, right? You make a living by what you get. Oh, come on, y'all asleep? You make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. Another one says, you don't, don't ever question the value of volunteers. Noah's Ark was built by volunteers. The Titanic was built by professionals. Yeah. 
Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. That little thing you do is powerful. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. So, first thing I want you to note is, the first truth we're going to talk about, is that volunteer ministry is a sacrifice. Volunteer ministry is a sacrifice. Volunteers are not paid, but that is, that is, that's not because they're worthless. It's because they're priceless. Amen. Volunteers are not paid, but that's not because they're worthless. It's because they're priceless. Some things are just too valuable to be able to put a price on. America wouldn't even be America without the volunteers. Texas wouldn't be Texas without the Tennessee volunteers. And several other places where these, where these volunteer soldiers just went to help for freedom. I tell Texans all the time, you owe much of your freedom to the volunteers that came out of Tennessee. My grandpa was born in Tennessee. I mean, what would Texas be like without Davy Crockett? They still build new schools down there and name them Crockett Elementary and Crockett Middle School and Crockett Highway and Crockett this and Crockett that. They got a Crockett Texas, they got a Crockett County, they got a Crockett everything. Why? They can't get over the impact of a volunteer. The impact of what you do, that gifting that's on the inside of you. You were given gifts to serve. Volunteers are servers. Some of the greatest volunteers in our history were Philip and Stephen. We're going to talk about them as we get through, go further into this message. Volunteer ministry is a sacrifice. That's what that passage just says. Service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, how do you present your body? You lay on an altar and say, kill me? <laughs> no, it says a living sacrifice. You present your body, present your body alive. Present it to whom? Present it to his body, to his church. Say, here I am. Use me. Y'all are excited about this message, I can tell. He, he's going to make me go to work. I don't want to go to work. <laughs> Verse 2, back in Romans 12. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I love this. This means that volunteer ministry is an expression of your transformation. You're proving your own transformation. You be transformed and then prove it. That's what this passage actually says. That it is a, an expression when you are in it, to win it, you're expressing your own transformation. You did not get born again only to be saved. You got born again to be saved, but to take as many with you as you could. And then in the interim between here and heaven, to serve God's people. 
This church is, is a growing church. I wouldn't yet call us a large church. I preach in large churches. I have a large congregation in Dallas at a Bible college. But this church, in so many ways, is larger than the largest of churches because of the, of the number of people, the percentage of people in this congregation that actually are serving God with their bodies. Huge church because of impact. You show your transformation by how you serve and by what you do. You serve God's people. Most people don't want to volunteer God's people because they have, an, they, have, they have an axe to grind against the church. Christians. Christian people can be so snobbish. Christian people can be so cliquish. Christian people can be so selfish. Well, so can everybody else. <laughs> Did we stop being people because we got saved? I'm, I know. I, I, you know, you wish you could. You wish you could just stop being human and just become an angel. <laughs> Not everybody can be Miss Gay. Not everybody can be like that. Perfect in every way. No, you're still going to encounter humans. Still going to encounter people that you don't like in church. Anybody ever had anybody in church that you didn't like? Well, I may not have the right message, but I got the right crowd. <laughs> <laughs> volunteer ministry is an expression of your transformation now look at verse 3 for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith so number 3 Volunteer ministry is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. It's an expression of faith, but it's really an action of faith. Because when you see there's a need, or you hear an announcement that there's a need, you see something around here that needs to be done. I've, I've so taught my staff this, and Miss Ann and I have talked about it. Miss Ann, you know, she's one for that spirit of excellence. She talks about it constantly. Amen. It's okay until you take it home. Right. <laughs> yeah. Then I feel responsible to make the bed. I don't know why. I just find myself making I didn't. I never made a bed. I don't even know how. But now I'm making my bed. I stand back and look at it. I don't know if it looks good or not, but I act like I know. I don't know how to stack those pillows. That's the thing. Guys, you, have you learned how to stack those pillows yet? She's got all these pillows. I said, we use two. We use two. We have seven, eight, nine pillows on there. What are we doing with all these? Who are they for? Do people come in here and use the beds when we're not here? What? I don't understand all these pillows, and they got to, and, and, and if I if I get if I get them if I get them wrong, she said she'll reach over and she'll adjust it a little bit, and I adjust it back. <laughs> but 
But the spirit of excellence, it starts taking over your life. If you decide you're going to do something, I'm going to do something. I like the person that says, I'm going to do something even if it's wrong. I'm going to do something to, to get myself motivated, to get myself moving, find some way to serve God with my body. Remember, it says your bodies are a living sacrifice. You can't just volunteer and say, oh, I really am for those people who do all that work. I, I urge them on. I'm with you. Well, that has a little help. I, I will say that helps a little, about as much as a screaming crowd in the stands when the Sooners are playing. It may help a little. But that's about all it helps. You might give them a goose bump, a little chill, once in a while. But you're not really doing anything until you get on the field. I heard about a guy who was riding along the road on his horse, looks up there and sees a little sparrow laying on his back with his wings out and his feet sticking straight up. He gets off his horse and walks over there, and the little sparrow's alive, but he doesn't fly away. He says, what are you doing here, little sparrow? The sparrow says, I heard a rumor that the sky was falling. The guy on the horse says, and you think you're going to hold it up with those spindly little legs? The sparrow says, one does what one can. One does what one can. <laughs> you may think you don't make that much of an impact with what you're doing. And maybe you're not. But one does what one can. You just do something. You do something to express your faith. How many of you believe that, that God is at work in you right now? That God is at work in your heart. That's an invisible force that's, in work, that's at work in your heart right now. Imagine what that invisible force would do if you stepped out by faith to do something with your hands and your body. Right. Amen. Imagine the impact that you could have. There's a great preacher down in Texas uh, who, uh, who, I mean, can preach the paper off the walls, but... And, and he said that his first contact with God, he was a little black boy, and this, this old white preacher came walking down the street. And this little boy was sitting on his, the steps of his apartment building, and this old preacher came by and rubbed the top of his head and said, Sonny boy does love Jesus, doesn't he? And he walked on by. And that boy said, when he touched my head and said, Sonny boy does love Jesus, doesn't he? He said, God appeared to me. This is the first time I'd ever sensed the presence of God, but it was on that man. And he touched my head. He said, I never got over the impact of that. He never saw him again, didn't know his name, didn't know anything about him. All I knew was that God was with him. Amen. I mean, who, who knows what the Lord may use you in, how that anointing may flow out of you if you just decide to do something yes. to be a blessing to somebody. Yes. They may grow up and be a great preacher. Better yet, a great pastor. Yes. A great truck driver that shares the gospel all across the country. 
Every truck driver has the potential to be a missionary for Jesus. My daddy was a truck driver. I honor them. I always give them space, too. Praise God. Because they're just trying to bring you your stuff. Stop cussing at the truck driver when you got your mouth full. Because everything in this room, everything we see got to us on a truck. Everything you have on came to you. Okay, I'll move along. Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Notice it's a faith action. Our ministry, let us wait on our ministering, that is serving. There's why I read this passage in the first place, because of that word right there, is that serving word. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorts, which means preach, or on exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Volunteer ministry is a vehicle for your distinct gifting. That's the fourth thing I want to say to you today. Volunteer ministry is a vehicle for your distinct gifting. Your distinct gifting may not be the same as the guy next to you, but it's just as important, and it does make a difference. Well, I'll, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, mine's just, all I do is put money in the offering. Well, how do you know that you're putting money in the offering isn't your gifting? That's right. Did you notice that one of the, one of the ministries enlisted there was giving? Yeah. Some of you don't know that that, gift, that that is a gifting from God to give because you, you had never tried it, but you should try it. It might, it might just be your gift. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. I don't want to find out that's my gift. <laughs> I don't want no gift of giving everything away. <laughs> but it is, it, it is a gifting. It's a gifting to give. Let me tell you something. You get on this giving thing, you get on this ministry of giving, it's addictive. It's addictive. You start giving and seeing what a blessing that you receive. Just like Paul taught us about what Jesus said. He said, as our Lord has said, remember the words of our Lord, how he said, it is better to give than to receive. Because this short span of time that we're here, would you take your hands and do like this right here? Put them about this close together. That's your life. That's your life. Compared to eternity, which we can't stretch our arms that far, but compared to eternity, when you get out there in eternity, you're going to look back, and it's going to be hard to even see this little stop in the road. This little stop in the road. Now, my wife can remember things like that, but I think I won't. I think I won't even remember this life after a few eons of time in eternity. I think, I think we were human? What? We sinned? We what? I don't think I, don't think I would. Because we'll be driving down a freeway somewhere or going on one of our ministry trips, and she'll say, you remember when we stopped there? <laughs> no, I don't remember stopping there. Yeah, we went and got a little tea room back there in the back. It's always an antique store. Antique store with a little tea room. I didn't know, and she doesn't know I try to blot all that out of my mind. But <laughs> I 
But you, 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 you're going to get down the road so far till this all pales. Why do we spend our lives clinging to what's right now instead of thinking about eternity all the time? Thinking about eternity all the time. Because that's who you really are. That's what you're really created for is eternity. And this will pale into nothing. I know what I'm talking about. I've lived long enough to, to know that time is flying by. How many of you have grandchildren? Let me see your hands. You have grandchildren? How did they grow up so fast? When did they become teenagers? They were babies. And we were all going, oh, I'm a grandfather. I can't believe I'm a grandfather. I'm a grandfather. Now I'm an old grandfather. <laughs> I've had 10 grandbabies. Two of them are 18 years old in college. When did that happen? It was yesterday I was all giddy about being a grandpa. 18 years later, it just flew by. All I'm saying to you is, time is becoming compressed. The older you get and the more you move through time, time becomes compressed in your memory. What's it going to be like when you enter eternity? It will be a stop in the road. It will be a spot on the map is all. It won't be like it was your whole life. So I want to say, Volunteer ministry is a vehicle to get over into that spirit realm right now and to operate in your gifting. Operate in your gifting now. It's a vehicle for your distinct gifting. I heard a story about an old man who was walking down the beach and a hurricane had come and inadvertently it had stranded hundreds if not thousands of starfish all along the beach. The old man's walking along and picking up starfish and throwing them back. Pick up another starfish and throw them back. Picked up another starfish and throw them back. A couple of college kids were out there. You know, college kids know everything. One of them walked down there and said, Well, old man, you... You know, you, you, what kind of difference are you making here? I mean, there's thousands. Do you think, you think you're really making a difference? He reached down and picked up another one without saying a word. Threw it back. Said, makes a difference to that one. <laughs> I know that the women that work in our nursery, they think, wow, another poopy diaper. One more. How many babies are in the nursery now? A bunch. Six on Wednesday evening. Not to mention Sunday morning. Eight or ten last Sunday morning. That's a lot of poopy diapers. That's what that is. In one room. What good is it going to do? What difference is it going to make? Well, it makes a difference to the one who gets his diaper changed. In the, in the grand scheme of things, there's still going to be babies all around the world that have poopy diapers. But the ones God brings to us, we're going to do something about. The starfish that are in front of me, I'm going to do something about them. Come on, can I have a better amen? You're going to have, you're going to have opportunities to serve. It's going to come to you. But you've got to be willing to bend over and pick it up and do something about it.
And the last thing is volunteer ministry cultivates even greater opportunities for service. Number five is volunteer ministry cultivates even greater opportunities for service. Let's take our Bibles now and turn to Acts chapter 6. I'm going to finish with these, two, these couple of passages. I don't mean to grind you very much, but I want you to, want you to be aware of why we celebrate our volunteers here in this church. They make this thing go. They're, they're the oil for the machinery, and we thank God. We, we don't often do this kind of message and don't often do this kind of service, but we're going to because it's important to highlight the people that are actually making the river a successful place to worship. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. And all that means is these are all Jewish people, but some of them were Hellenists. They, had, they spoke Greek. They have the Greek culture. And the, and the others, the Hebrews, were Jews that were not Greek in, in culture. They were more they were more Jewish in culture, more traditional Jews. Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And it seemed like that the, the money that was being spent more on the Hebrews than it was on the Grecians. There was a little bit of prejudice there. Verse 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, not reasonable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, do you understand that they're raising up deacons here, and deacon, the deacon's responsibility is to head up the, the physical issues that a church faces. That's a deacon's responsibility. Not necessarily to do all of those things, but to marshal the troops to make it happen. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And do you all, how many of you know that they did the right thing here? They chose well in letting those who are, who are called to preach and teach do their job and raise up other leaders. That's why the ministry is, is important. The ministry of helps, the ministry of volunteerism is so important in the church. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I had a guy ask me the other day. He said, how many times a week do you speak? I said, eight. He said, What? I said, eight times a week. Oh, my goodness. When do you find time to study? I said, I study continually. Yeah. Amen. Because i got a church and a school that understands I have to have time for that. You don't, you don't just learn how to do this by waking up one day and saying, I think I'm going to preach. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of, and, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, and a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Wow. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders among, and miracles among the people. Wait a minute. Stephen wasn't called to do that. Stephen was called to wait tables. Stephen was called to get in amongst the, 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 the widows that were fussing and fighting with each other and straighten out a problem. Stephen was called to make sure that everybody got their fair share. Stephen was called to be in the business of the church like that. He wasn't called to do great signs, wonders, and miracles, but isn't it amazing how when he was willing to serve, yeah. Yeah. Right. 
to volunteer for the job that nobody wanted. I mean, how many of you guys, if you heard a room full of women here attached to the, right through that door, there's a room full of angry women, one side of the room screaming at the other, and the other side of the room screaming back at the other, how many of you guys would want to be volunteered to be sent in there to straighten it out? <laughs> Not without a weapon. <laughs> Not without a weapon. I don't want to go in there. No guy wants in the middle of something like that. But they raise up these seven men to go in there and take care of that. Your job, your first job here at our church is to fix that problem, boys. <laughs> I don't really want to, boss. Well, that's what God said. God said you got to go fix that problem. So they go in there and fix that problem. And the next thing you read about Stephen is he's full of faith and power, doing great signs and wonders and miracles amongst the people. How'd he get from there to there? He volunteered. He just volunteered. I'll do it. I'll do it. Give me the hard job. They gave me a Sunday school class with three teenagers in it when I first came into this. Teenagers, the pastor, two of them were the pastor's kids. They already knew more than I knew. You hear me? They said, we want you to teach that Sunday school class. Man, every day, it was like, dun, 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 dun. I had to go to that Sunday school class and try to teach these three kids. Well, the next thing you know, I was faithful to do what he asked me to do. Taught the Sunday school class. Next thing you know, he said, we need a youth pastor. We do. Are you thinking about me? Oh, of course I'm thinking about you. Of course. Oh, how'd I get here? Next thing you know, I'm pastoring that church. Next thing you know, next thing you know, next thing you know. It just starts with doing something you don't really want to do oftentimes. Yeah. Yep. I know this is not a twist and shout, go get them Jesus <laughs> kind of message. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's the... Let's read on. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And you know he was killed in that same chapter, chapter 7, after he preached that great message. And chapter 8 begins, and verse 3 says, Acts 8, 3, if you can put that on the board, it would be great. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore... So what's therefore mean? It is commentary on what he just said. So Saul was going into every house, creating havoc with the church, hailing men and women, committing them to prison, and it already, already urged on those who killed Stephen. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Why were they scattered abroad? Because of Saul. In a wonderfully reciprocating way, the very first time that anybody preached the gospel outside of Jerusalem was when Philip went to Samaria. And that tells us that he went to Samaria because Saul was persecuting the Christians in Jerusalem. This Saul is a guy you all know as Paul. 
So the very first missionary venture of the church was caused by Saul. God was even using him when he didn't know God was using him. And taking deacons who are supposed to be just helping out around the church, keeping the old women happy. That persecution drove them into the streets and drove them into other countries, drove them into Samaria at least, preaching the gospel. And because they had been faithful in what they were called to do by the church leadership, God began to call them to do bigger and greater things. It says, therefore, they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of, out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Great joy in that city. There's nothing there's great joy awaiting for this city. I think it's time for this city to have great joy about a church being in its midst. A church that demonstrates signs, wonders, and miracles from a people who don't just babble on about signs, wonders, and miracles, but who put their hands to the plow and allow that service, that volunteer service, that volunteer spirit of excellence take them into a dimension that they didn't seek but they just came because of their sacrifice of service. Glory to God. Glory to God. We vote every two years in elections to say what kind of country we want to have. But when you volunteer, you vote every day on the kind of church you want to have. You vote in elections every, every other year to say what kind of country you want to have. But when you volunteer, you vote every day on the kind of church you want to have. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, I thank you today for those here who have served and sacrificed so much for the sake of the gospel. Those who use their gifting and those who use their faith not even knowing whether they have a gifting in, in a given area but they just step out by faith. I thank you for these precious ones who have Throw their bodies at the, work of, at the work of the Lord. Throw their bodies at worship. Throw their bodies at giving. Thank you for them, Father, today. We bless them in Jesus' name. But now, Lord, I'm praying that you will take the words of this message and bring real spirit conviction. You've been talking to people I know. You would not have given me this message to preach to them. You've been speaking to people about their part about their role here at the river. Would you speak to hearts today, my Father, and cause that spirit of volunteerism to rise up. Our youth need them. Our children need them. 
Our babies need them. Our facilities need them. Our, our programs need them. Give to this congregation the spirit of volunteerism. So in years to come, when 150 years have gone, come and gone, people will still be wanting to name monuments and buildings after them, like Crockett. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you for the gospel that brought us into this great thing called the church. The gospel that says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. We believe this and with this impossibility possible, with this miracle of the gospel right before our eyes and in our hearts, we ask for a transformation from that from our hearts and a transition from our hearts into our hands and our feet today. I pray for your people to receive this. I pray for a miracle transfer of action from theology to action for the people of God. Give us backbone. Give us a willingness to put our hands to the plow and never look back. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, I want to say to those of you who are gathered here today, if you are here and you've never received Jesus as your personal Savior, the greatest invitation this church or any church can ever give anyone is to come to know Christ. We would not do our job. You can volunteer all day long. But if you're not right with God, none of it makes any difference. None of it matters. You don't get right with God by doing anything. You get right with God by believing the truth. The truth is that Christ died for you. He was buried and rose again for you. If you're here today and you say, I need, I need to know Jesus as my Savior. I need to get right with God. I need to receive this righteousness. I'm ready to become a believer. I'm ready to become part of the household of faith. I'm ready to seal my eternity once and for all. I want that. Would you pray for me? I want you to just raise your hand if that's you. You say, I need that today. God bless you. 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 God love you, folks. God bless you for your honesty and decency in saying it. God bless you. Now, for those who've raised your hands, we're all going to pray for you together, and we want you to invite you to open your mouth and say this prayer because with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Okay, let's all, let's all pray the prayer together. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I'm turning from my sins. I'm turning from the world. I'm turning from the devil and the flesh. And I'm turning to you, Jesus. Come into my life. Make me new. I confess that I believe you died for my sins. And that you saved me when you died for my sins. And I believe you rose again from the dead. I believe it with all my heart. Today, I'm a new creation. I'm brand new. 
You made me new all over. My heart will never be the same. I am brand new. And I receive you and all you have for me. And now I make this commitment to follow you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen.